Welcome to This Word is Your Life with Pastor Alexander Arthur, coming to you from Word of Life Christian Center International in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, the message title is The Joy of Christmas. And what I have been given by the Lord to share with you this morning, and for those of us who have uh, tuned in and linked in and on YouTube and Facebook, we welcome you. We want to thank you for joining us. And we want to also make sure that you know that whilst even during praise and worship, you can join in then and at home be singing to the Lord and have that spirit of Christmas with you, uh, with you and your family gather around uh, watching us as of now. And uh, you should be ready with your bread and with your juice. We will have the opportunity to take the communion together uh, and we will uh, be blessed by it in Jesus' name. And so the message this morning is about the joy of Christmas. The joy of Christmas. Why is it that all over the world people are busily preparing to celebrate this day? I submit to you that it is because God wanted the whole world to be filled with this joy. Now, I, in my study, preparing for this, of course, I had to look at what joy means. And I want to make sure that, I want to make sure that, is it me? Is it better? Um, I want to make sure that we get an understanding of what this joy means. But before I do that, I want to share with you scriptures, a few scriptures, both in the old and in the new, that talks about joy. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, we are told that Jeremiah said, your word to me was joy and rejoicing. And in Psalms 43, verse 4, David said, that God is my exceeding joy. Isaiah in chapter 12, verse 3 said, with joy, with joy, would draw water out of the wells of salvation. So then, what is going on here? Thomas, come here, come here. Okay, thank you. We apologize for that if you are home and you hear all that noise. This is live. Hello. So, <laughs> Yes, indeed. 
Uh, and so in Isaiah, Isaiah points out that with joy would draw water out of the wells of salvation. Let's come to the New Testament. And you see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 44, it says the babe leaped for joy in the womb. That is John the Baptist as a babe in his mother Elizabeth's womb. He, jo- he leaped for joy in the womb. In James 1, 2, James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy. And finally, in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10, verses 7 through 10. But I want to pick up one thing there. It says, when you believe, you rejoice with joy. So it tells me that the Bible is filled with the message of joy even heralding the birth of us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is joy? And going to the Strong's Concordance, number 7,440, 7,440, the word joy means loud cheering and triumph. You think you are loud, but joy means loud cheering. It's like when somebody goes to a football game and their team scores a touchdown and they win. That's a loud cheering. That's what cheerleaders do anyway. They help cheer the team on. Joy is loud cheering and triumph. It is also a shout of rejoicing. It's like we sang the song earlier, repeat the sounding joy. And I got it. That's rejoicing. What, that's what rejoicing is. Repeat the sounding joy. And so it's a shout of rejoicing. That's what joy is. It is singing. Joy is singing. It is also jubilation. It is jubilation. And then finally... And I like this. Joy is to spin around with intense motion. <laughs> to spin around with intense motion. And the only person I can think of who does it so well is Mayo. And, and I thought about I, I thought about it when I was studying. I said, this explains, this describes my, but the interesting thing about it is that they say that God in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, God dances over us with joy. And so what we see Mario doing here, God is doing in heaven. And the Bible says, especially when a sinner gives his life or her life to the Lord. So it is important for us to know that joy is a spirit. It is an inner, internal spirit 
that comes into our spirit of man when we get born again. It is an internal, not an external. Happiness is external. Happiness is when something on the outside of you uh, is going well and you're happy. Joy is internal. That is to say that no matter what is going on in your life, because it's internal, it's within, nothing can affect it. And Habakkuk gives us this sense in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where he says that the, uh, the prophet did not uh, found his source of joy, not in his circumstances, but in the Lord. He says, I will joy in the Lord. He did not find his joy in the circumstances and the things that were around him, things that he was dealing with, was all in the Lord. The Lord was his source of joy. When the Lord is the source of your joy, no matter what goes on around you, you can make it. And joy is a spirit. I want you to get it. When the angels came and announced the birth of Jesus, they talked about, in fact, let's go to that, and I'll show you. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. And let's look at verse 10. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, I bring you great, uh, good tidings of great joy. I bring you. Where, was, where, was, where did the angel come from? From heaven. And it says, He brought to the shepherds good tidings of great joy. Not only to them, but we shall be to all people. That's what we sing to the, the song, Joy to the World. Because this joy came straight from heaven. This is a joy that the heaven rejoices when a person gets born again. It, it, it's not a worldly, earthly uh, uh, emotion, it is a spiritual uh, um, I don't want to say condition, but a spiritual thing that comes to a person when a person receives Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So when someone is not born again, they can never have this joy. In fact, the Bible says that joy is, is, is part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, how can you have joy? Did you get it? But this joy was brought from heaven to us. And the Bible says in heaven... The heaven, the whole heaven rejoices when one person comes to the Lord. So it's a heavenly substance, if you will. Now, so let me then bring you back. Now that we know what joy is, and we want to talk about the joy of Christmas, let me tell you why it is so important for us to experience and enjoy, especially we believers. This message, this first message, is to the world. And then next week when we come back, uh, I will be specific to us believers. So this message is going to be for somebody who doesn't know why we rejoice and have joy Christmas time. 
So allow me to, you may have heard all this before, but allow me to share uh, with the world who are watching from all over the world, the Word of Life Nation. I'm not only talking about those who are members here, uh, but those who are partners or those who join us uh, on YouTube and Facebook, and we thank God for them. And in case somebody just came on and they want to know what I'm talking about in terms of this joy of Christmas, I want to be able to give them something that could help change their lives forever. So it may seem elementary to you, our dear sister, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, let's go on with it. Okay, come with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For more information on Pastor Alexander Arthur or Word of Life Christian Center International, go to wlcci.org or call 615-876-3086. And please consider joining us in person for services Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Or join us for our virtual services on both Facebook and YouTube. Thank you all for listening to uh, this program this morning, and I hope it was a blessing to you. And now, uh, I want, for those of you who have never had the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, uh, that you pray this simple prayer with me. I say that, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Thank you for using your blood to wash away all of my sins of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever, so the Father in heaven can accept me and take me as his child. And I declare, because I believe that you are the Lord and the Savior, that I am now born again, child of God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. At Word of Life Christian Center International, we believe in the power of prayer. Send us your prayer requests by email at worship at wlcci.org or by phone at 615-876-3086. You can mail prayer requests to us at WLCCI, P.O. Box 23421, Nashville, Tennessee 37202. And remember, for all you're getting, get understanding, for the word of life changes lives. Welcome to This Word is Your Life with Pastor Alexander Arthur, coming to you from Word of Life Christian Center International in Nashville, Tennessee. Because of sin, what is sin? The Bible says sin is a transgression of the law. What is sin? Sin is that wall of petition that separated man from God. What is sin? The act of disobedience that occurred in the Garden of Eden that caused the glory on both Adam and Eve to depart. What is the glory? The glory is the robe 
that man was. It was intended for man, just like uh, cattle have hides and birds have feathers, fish have scales. Man is supposed to have glory. That is that which is supposed to cover us like a robe, the robe of righteousness. And so when Adam sang, that robe, that glory departed. It's the story um, when Eli's uh, sons, one of the sons' wife gave birth, and right at the time that she was giving birth, she ended up passing away. But when they asked what is the name of the child, they said, name the child Ichabod, for the glory has departed. And she was mentioning the fact that for the first time, uh, the Israelites had been defeated in a battle. The Ark of the Covenant had been taken, and so the glory had departed. The glory that departed in the Garden of Eden is the glory that Jesus came back from, came from heaven to give it back to man. And so that for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God has made a deposit for us to wear this glory again. Praise the Lord. And that is what is going to be called the glorified bodies. And when we wear the glorified body, on the day of the rapture or, uh, yeah, in the day of rapture, whatever that day is, praise the Lord. Uh, it can be today, just now, and then the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, uh, this robe will be put on all of us. I get him here. And we will be, the Bible says, as we see Jesus, we will be just like him. Are you getting me here? This is the glory that God sent Jesus to come and give us. But before the glory can come upon us, sin had to be taken care of. Sin was the act of disobedience, the act of treason, if you will, the act of rebellion that Adam and Eve uh, uh, committed in the garden. Now, I'm trying to be to to be uh, orderly in the presentation, so you can get it. So there was a sin in the garden. The garden, the sin caused a separation between God and man. Sin also caused the glory to depart from man, and therefore man uh, did not have a relationship with God. That's what the world was lying in error and pining. Hello. <laughs> in error and pining until the, the world, the soul felt its worth. With the coming of the one who is alive, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise the Lord. So, let's talk about why this was necessary. Why is it that God chose this as a way of redeeming us. Why is it? The, the joy of Christmas is really a time to remember that God has given us another chance 
to be with him. And even a better one indeed. And this chance came through the gift who was his son Jesus Christ born on that glorious divine night for our purposes to come and seek and save us. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Remember now, a child is born, but a son is given. And that's why we, Lord God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. A son is given, but a child is born. Now, so why will God choose to have this means of entering into the world? Why did he allow himself to be born? Did you hear me? Why will he, this is God, he stands outside of creation. But in his own, with his own choice, with his own will, he chooses to come into his creation. He chooses to become part of his creation. He was outside of creation because creation come out of, came out of him. But he chose to enter into creation. Why is that? If he's going to do that, then he has to do that by way of being born. Why couldn't he come like Adam was created? You know, Adam couldn't have been born. Had he been born, who would take care of him? Think about that. Are you here? I mean, Adam had to be created as a young man. Perhaps 21, maybe 30 years, because Jewish people, you turn 30, then you, you are a man. He probably was, I don't, you know, by a 30-year-old person, young man. Jesus, on the other hand, in coming to the world, he had to be born. And so even Adam had a better entry into the world than Jesus did. Are you here? Okay. So, so then here you have that he had to be born. Go to, we're going to finish this in a minute, but go to Isaiah 7.14. If he is going to be born... Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, normally, if a virgin conceives, a virgin conceives with a human seed, a biological human male seed, if you will. But here it says that, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, a, a, a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means that when Isaiah said that, 
what he heard was God with us. That means this uh, uh, person, son, uh, would be God himself that is coming into the earth. Otherwise, it will not be, he will not be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel simply means God is with us. Now, so here is a very interesting proposition. This Jesus is where divinity and humanity comes together. The first time ever where divinity and humanity came together. Which is to say that Jesus father, the seed was from God. Jesus mother, the womb was human. So you have divinity and humanity come together. Are you with me? So let's look at this. Let's look at why God did it that way. Go to John chapter 10. Let's start with verse 1. John chapter 10 verse 1. Very as unto he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Which means that had Jesus come into the earth, well, there was a sheepfold where sheep are. And we are all the sheep. And the world is a sheepfold, or the earth is a sheepfold. It says, anyone who comes not by the door, and the only door to the earth is through the womb of a woman. Did you follow this? So if Jesus were to come with divinity and humanity coming together, he had to come by the way of the door. The devil, on the other hand, didn't come by the way of the door. The devil wasn't born here. That's why he's a trespasser. He has no right to this world. He has no right to this earth. He was not born here. Are you getting this? Yeah, he, he came in as uh, someone from the spiritual realm and was able to uh, deceive Eve and gradually managed to get the control of this world from Adam and Eve, the proper soul heirs or owners of this land, of this world, he deceived them. You know how he deceived them? The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what he wanted to do when he came is that he discovered that God has put power in the tongue or in the mouth of man. So if he's able to take control of the tongue, the mouth, the lips 
of man. He can control man that way. And that's the reason why he does everything that he can to influence our thinking so that we can say based upon the influence of his thinking through us. For more information on Pastor Alexander Arthur or Word of Life Christian Center International, go to WLCCI.org or call 615-876-3086. And please consider joining us in person for services Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Or join us for our virtual services on both Facebook and YouTube. Thank you all for listening to uh, this program this morning and I hope it was a blessing to you. And now uh, I want, for those of you who have never had the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, uh, that you pray this simple prayer with me. I say that Jesus, I invite you into my life. Thank you for using your blood to wash away all of my sins of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. So the Father in heaven can accept me and take me as his child. And I declare, because I believe that you are the Lord and the Savior, that I am now born again, child of God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. At Word of Life Christian Center International, we believe in the power of prayer. Send us your prayer requests by email at worship at wlcci.org or by phone at 615-876-3086. You can mail prayer requests to us at WLCCI, P.O. Box 23421, Nashville, Tennessee 37202. And remember, for all you're getting, get understanding. For the word of life changes lives. Welcome to This Word is Your Life with Pastor Alexander Arthur, coming to you from Word of Life Christian Center International in Nashville, Tennessee. I said to you last week here, we really should be thinking about what we are thinking about. Because if you're not thinking about what you're thinking about, you may end up thinking thoughts that will allow the enemy to control you. He, can't, he doesn't have power other than the power that you give him. Satan has no power other than the power because he didn't come through the door. So he's an alien, an illegal one at that, and doesn't have any rights to this place except to come here and use your own mouth to rule you. And that is so sad, like you give somebody the gun to shoot at you. It shouldn't be that way, but that's what Satan has done. So when Jesus came, he came the right way. Amen. Now listen to this. In order for that to happen, God had to call a man called Abraham and enter into a covenant with him. Because you see, even God, the Bible says, that the earth has it given to man. When God created Adam, Adam was the God of this world. Just as God was the God of the universe. 
Adam was supposed to rule the world the way God rules the universe. With his tongue, with his lips, his mouth, with his words. Are you getting me here? So when Satan came in, he twisted his words and managed to use his own words against him. That's why when we say we're sick, Satan is happy because he's taking our own words to turn again. So, Pastor, so if you're sick, we go to the doctor. What do you say to them? Well, you say, listen, I have symptoms, but I believe that I'm healed. I'm the healed, protected my health. Are you getting me? You have to be able to make a declaration that keeps that, that the enemy know that you know you're not ignorant of his devices. It's so important. And so here it is that uh, God comes in and says, I'm giving you this world. Rule the world like I rule the universe. There's no one greater other than me, God told him. So long as you submit to me, everything else in the world will submit to you. You remember the scripture says that, it said, submit to God, resist the devil, and we'll flee from you. Adam did not submit to God with his wife, and therefore, in that reason, Satan was not resisted, and he was able to take over this world. How do we know this? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So here it is, there are those today that refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But the reason for that is because the God of this world, he was not made the God of this world. He stole it from Adam. You follow? So here it is. That I'm just leading you to why Jesus had to come. So God had to find someone called Abraham, at a time called Abraham, to enter into a covenant with him because he has given the earth, the world to man. So he had to come in legally, negotiate with him, make an offer to him. In fact, we call it cut a covenant with him so that just as Abraham will have access to God and all that God is and has. God can have access to who Abraham is and all that Abraham has. That's what covenant means. And so God told Abraham that I will bless you and then through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham and Isaac, he had also Ishmael, he had six other sons, but God told him that it is through Isaac that your seed will be called. Not the seven others, but only one through whom his seed, the seed that will come into the earth, that seed that we celebrate his appearing, that seed was going to come from Isaac. So from, then Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And God said, Esau have I hated, but Jacob have I loved. 
And so the seed was to come through Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons. Of the 12 sons, God says, I, I, I will use Judah. Through Judah will come the seed that will be born God with us, Emmanuel. And of course, through Judah came David. And David became king of Israel. And God said to David that in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 7, verses 12 to about uh, 19, if you get a chance to read it, God, uh, through the prophet Nathan, told David all that he would do for him and his descendants and that his throne will be forever. That's why we refer to Jesus at times as the son of David. Hello. Now, so all of this I'm saying points to prophets that God used, men that God used to proclaim with words. Words are the most powerful things in the universe. Words are the most powerful. God used words to create, to design how he will bring his son Jesus into the world. He had prophets prophesy from Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and even Micah in terms of telling the world where he would be born. Bethlehem, Ephrata, he said, and, and which was where also David was born. So that when the wise men came to Jerusalem and asked Herod where the king of Israel was so they could go and worship him, what did King Herod do? He called for the scribes and the doctors of law and all the rabbis and asked them the question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, Bethlehem, Ephrata. All of these were ducks in a row that God pointed at, created as a pathway leading to Jesus. So that when Jesus appeared, he will appear here lawfully and legally. I'm going somewhere with this because it is important to understand that God will serve. Not only is he a law giver, he is also lawful. He is also lawful. And so he does everything. This is one of the reasons why you can trust him because he will not violate the word that he had given, he says, the words that I have spoken will not alter. The word had come out of my lips. Look at Psalm 89, verse 34. So my covenant will I not break. Psalm 89, verse 34. He says, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Amen. And so when God says something, you can take it to the bank. And so everything that he said pointing to the coming of Jesus, he meant that it will happen precisely, exactly the way he said it. Amen. He said that, amen, praise the Lord. He said that he would be born by a virgin, Mary. And it's interesting, sometimes we think that Mary was such a special teenage girl and to some degree, yes. But she was also a sinner. Like you and I were until we, 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 before we came to the Lord. 
just as a sinner. What she got was grace upon her. And that's the same thing that that's grace upon us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord. That's the only difference. And some people have venerated her to the extent that they even pray through her when we are to pray in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? Even she said, as she referred to the baby, <laughs> as her savior. Are you getting me here? So the point I'm making is this, that, that God had to set things up so lawfully, so legally, to the extent which when Joseph betrothed, that was a spit there, uh, when, when Joseph, when Joseph betrothed or engaged, engaged um, Mary, but of course, in Israel, when there's an engagement, it's the same as a marriage. But the only thing they do is this. This is before DNA. <laughs> because they knew that it takes nine months for a baby to be born. They allow themselves a year. So a man engages a woman or marries a woman. They don't come together at that time. The woman goes to her house. The man goes to his parents' house. And they wait for a year to see whether anything will show up. And if nothing shows up at the end of the year, you can go and consummate the marriage. So here it is that for Joseph, Mary comes to him, tells him, this is, Joseph, listen to what happened. An angel appeared to me, said I will conceive and bear this child, and will name the child Jesus, God saves us, Emmanuel, and all that. But he also, she also said to him, this is really immaculate. I've not slept with anybody. This is God's doing. And it should be marvelous in your eyes. <laughs> oh boy, can you imagine what that man thought? <laughs> can you imagine what that man thought? But, but what it is is that uh, the Bible, of course, said that God appeared to Joseph to let, it, let him know that indeed this was true. For more information on Pastor Alexander Arthur or Word of Life Christian Center International, go to WLCCI.org or call 615-876-3086. And please consider joining us in person for services Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Or join us for our virtual services on both Facebook and YouTube. Thank you all for listening to uh, this program this morning and I hope it was a blessing to you. And now, uh, I want, for those of you who have never had the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, uh, that you pray this simple prayer with me. I say that, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Thank you for using your blood to wash away all of my sins of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever, so the Father in heaven can accept me and take me as his child. And I declare, because I believe that you are 
the Lord and the Savior that I am now born again child of God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. At Word of Life Christian Center International, we believe in the power of prayer. Send us your prayer requests by email at worship at wlcci.org or by phone at 615-876-3086. You can mail prayer requests to us at WLCCI, P.O. Box 23421, Nashville, Tennessee 37202. And remember, for all you're getting, get understanding. For the word of life changes lives. Welcome to This Word is Your Life with Pastor Alexander Arthur, coming to you from Word of Life Christian Center International in Nashville, Tennessee. But in order for what God said in Genesis 3.15, let's look at that. In order for that to happen, this is why God, as I said, designed things this way. So I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between, because the woman was the one that was deceived. Adam just went along with his wife. Now he's not blameless, but it was the woman that was deceived. Remember that? The Bible says the woman was deceived, but, but Adam was not. He was disobedient. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. His was worse. The woman has spoken. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got, you can say that. I guess, I guess you can say that, yeah. But, but the, thing is, is, the, the thing is, is that he couldn't, this is what I'm thinking happened. And you may, and this is my own. <laughs> well, well, think about the moment Eve ate the uh, apple or whatever fruit it was and is obedient to God. Immediately, she moved from the sphere of the spirit into the sphere of the soul. Did you hear me? The sphere, because, you know, the scripture says that God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is about making choices. The soul is a part of us that we use to make choices. In the spiritual realm, as it will be when we get to heaven, and indeed when we are in the spirit, we go along with God. There's no if, ands, buts around it. we just God-centered, following God all the way. So here it is that I do believe that Eve, in that state, lost the robe, lost the glory. And Adam had a decision to make. Will I 
stay with this woman like that? Or shall I just go in all the way with her? That's where his disobedience came. Instead of obeying God. Because what you compromise to keep, you will lose anyway. So he lost it along with, with him. But I'm saying this to say that this happened in a garden. That Let's go back to the scripture again. Genesis 3. It says, it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So what does that mean here? God said it then in the garden. There's a seed coming, and it will be her seed. The very woman that you deceived to, to, to take the world from, the inheritance that I gave them from, is this, the seed of the woman will come and uh, bruise your head. We know women don't have seed, men have. So this is a situation where God had to give seed of himself. This is why Jesus had to be born. Legally, lawfully, but God, and, and if, if God is a spirit, he cannot have intercourse or intimacy with a biological human being. Do you know the ones who tried to do that were the angels who had left their first estate and in the Genesis chapter 6 talks about what they did, married the daughters of men and created giants in the world, if you remember that. God is lawful. He stayed in his own estate as a spirit. And so if the spirit is going to come in and bring a seed, it has to be a seed that is a spiritual seed and not a biological seed. But God being powerful, that spiritual seed is capable of eventually, ultimately manifesting as a physical seed. Just like you accepted the spiritual seed Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. As I said, you heard much of this before, but I just want to uh, help those who might be watching. So being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Listen to this. Being born again, Jesus was born with the incorruptible seed. And now, let me put it, let me say this better, better. I'm not saying that Jesus never existed before he was born. Jesus has always existed in the person of the second person of the Trinity called the Word of God. But to come into the world, so when we use the name Jesus, this is his earthly name. Not his heavenly name. I get me here. Go to uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and that he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. 
This is the same Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The law came by Moses. The law was by Moses, but grace came by, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the, the point I'm making here is that this, the name of Jesus it says faithful and true in heaven. Word of God in heaven. But in the earth he is called Jesus. The Jesus simply means the God who saves. So when we're talking about Jesus was born, we're not talking about the time he came into existence. You'd be right if you said this was the time he came into existence into this world. That's why it's joy to the world. But he's always existed. Let's get back to uh, to to um, John chapter ten, verse one. So it says that the way into the earth or the sheepfold is by the door. So God had to find a womb. He had to bless the womb. He had to favor a person with his grace so that person can receive the incorruptible seed, the word of God, which abides forever. And Mary was offered that privilege. Thank God she accepted. Thank God she received the seed and gave birth to Jesus. Now, so... This is all about God loving the world. So I just look at the word love again, and we use the term or the word love a lot. But I chose to go back again and look at this uh, from the Greek. And we know love means uh, in Greek agape. And in Strong's Concordance, where I got these definitions from, Strong's Concordance, number 26, if you're at home and you write. You know, sometimes go back and check on this yourself and you see that uh, it's helpful. It makes you understand more. Don't forget the New Testament was written in Greek. And so uh, if you go to the original, it helps a lot. And, and so here it is. It says, don't forget it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It says in Strong's Concordance, agape, love, is an undefeatable benevolence. Undefeatable benevolence or undefeatable kindness. You know, when you are benevolent, sometimes when you have a benevolent fund at, home, at, a, at a church, it is set aside to give to those who you don't expect to get much from back because you're doing it uh, out of the, uh, the, your heart, out of kindness. Now, that's what kindness is. You show kindness to sometimes even strangers. Kindness is giving something out to somebody else that you know they can never pay you back. You follow? And so love is an undefeatable benevolence or undefeatable kindness. It is also an unconquerable goodwill. Unconquerable goodwill. What is goodwill? Goodwill 
is an act of a will to do good. That is a decision someone makes to do good. And when God made a decision to do good by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to us, it says that it is unconquerable goodwill. That's, there's no way you can receive this goodwill that you cannot overcome the world. Look at First John chapter 5, verse 4 in the Message Bible. This is what it says in First John chapter 5, verse 4. In the Message Bible, for in the Message Bible, say every God begotten person conquers the world's ways. Unconquerable goodwill. Every God begotten person, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You are also God begotten. He said, "You conquer the world's ways." The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Faith, faith simply is your agreement with God, your decision to agree with God. Anyway, so that's another uh, definition of it. The third part of the definition says that love always seeks the highest good of the other person. Love always seeks the highest good of the other person. The highest good. God sought our highest good. You know what our highest good is? Eternal life. Our highest good as a human being is eternal life. Is the life of God, the Zoe life, the everlasting life. That is the highest good. Nothing compares to that. There's nothing in this world that compares to you being born again and having eternal life, the everlasting life. That is the highest good. So this is the reason why we rejoice in Christmas because we receive the gift of the highest good. Of the highest good. Also, uh, this love gives freely without asking anything in return. Amen. It gives freely without asking anything in return. For more information on Pastor Alexander Arthur or Word of Life Christian Center International, go to wlcci.org or call 615-876-3086. And please consider joining us in person for services Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Or join us for our virtual services on both Facebook and YouTube. Uh, thank you for listening to our program uh, this morning. And uh, for those of you who have not had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, will you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to come into my life. Take it and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. At Word of Life Christian Center International, we believe in the power of prayer. Send us your prayer requests by email at worship at wlcci.org or by phone at 615-876-3086. You can mail prayer requests to us at WLCCI, P.O. Box 23421, Nashville, Tennessee 37202. And remember, for all you're getting, get understanding. For the Word of Life, changes lives.
Welcome to This Word is Your Life with Pastor Alexander Arthur, coming to you from Word of Life Christian Center International in Nashville, Tennessee. God gave his son to us freely without asking, because if he asked something in return, he could say to you, either you accept my son Jesus Christ, or I'm just going to just blank you out of here. He, 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 he would not do that. He will make you have the choice that you make yourself, whether you choose to do that. But he needs to ask anything in return. That's how we should be like. It makes it a very simple way of living. If you do good, don't be looking forward the return of the good coming back from the same source. You get me here. Because sometimes if you're looking for that from the very person, Satan can cause a delay of that being returned to you and you get to the point where I don't want to do it anymore. No, don't do that. Just simply do it and just believe God to be the one through whom the return will come to you. And so you get love. this love gives freely without asking anything in return. Now, this love is also love by choice rather than love by chance. Love by choice rather than by love by chance. What does that mean? That God, the Bible says, it is an act of God's own will that he chose you and me to be part of his family. Now, if it is by chance, what it means is that where by chance you were born into a family in Great Britain, the royal family. And so you, got, you, you won the lottery by being considered a prince or princess. That's by chance. Only people who by chance have that can gain access to that kind of love and, 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 uh, and, and all that goes with it. But God, on the other hand, made a decision, a choice to make you part of his family. Not that you are born naturally, biologically, but rather spiritually into his family. That's very important if you think about it. That God made a choice himself. It was a plan, the Bible speaks of it, from the ages. In eternity past, God made a choice for you. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, the Bible says. In a peculiar people. A holy nation who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous to give praise unto his glory. That's who you are. And he did it by his choice, not by chance. And then finally, with this teaching on, on love, it is indeed, as I said, an act of the will. So, Jesus' purpose and mission and I'm going to end with this and pick up from here next week because I tried to use this as a, a foundational message to help those who might be wondering why we get so excited about Christmas. We do because that's when we get free. It's, in fact, it's our Independence Day. Amen. Yeah, our spiritual Independence Day. You know, well, some people say, well, why, what about uh, Easter or, or uh, the Passover or the Resurrection Sunday, if he had not been born, that would not have happened. And so we rejoice. As far as God is concerned, <laughs> praise the Lord. 
So we, we celebrate his birth. And, and, and of course, we, we mourn for his death on Good Friday. And of course, on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we rejoice again. But pray, we might as well rejoice. You know, when a baby is born, there's, there's just laughter and excitement and rejoicing in the home. Isn't it? And so Jesus was born. Uh, in this season, some people say, well, how could you be sure there was this? Well, I know he was born. The Bible tells me he was born. Hello. And I know that what he has done for me in my life. But I saw something, and I'm going to drop this in your spirit, and I'll pick this up next week. Come with me. I'm going to pose a question to you, and we'll answer when we come back next week. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. And let's begin with verse 22. It says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Next. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with what? Better sacrifices than these. What this is talking about is that under the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, whilst the temple stood, they offered sacrifices every day and killing animals using their blood as this medium, the sacrifice to pacify whatever it is that they've done wrong, either sin, transgression, iniquity, whatever it is. And the Bible says that it was necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens. And don't forget, if you read Exodus chapter 25, God tells Moses exactly how he wanted the temple or the tabernacle in the wilderness to be built. And he gave him, gave him exact dimensions. And he said to him, of what you saw. So he showed this to him in heaven. It was not necessary in heaven, but God showed to what was in heaven here on earth. And so there were patterns in heaven was a real McCoy, and the earth was the copy of the real McCoy. Just like in heaven is God, and then in earth is us in his image. Do you follow this? Now, to show you something, oh my God, it blessed me so much. Oh, Lord, help me share this. Sometimes you know it, and you're trying to find ways to describe it so you can get it. In fact, let's go to, let me use the Message Bible from here. Uh, Message Bible. Let's go back to verse 23. I think that's where. Let's use the Message Bible. That accounts of, for the prominence of blood and death in all these secondary practices that point to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why when the real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore having served their purpose. 
Next. For Christ didn't enter the earthly, earthly version of the holy place. Hmm. He entered the place itself. You know, he was not to tell you, to show you how God is lawful. When Jesus was here, he couldn't enter into the holy place. The version of the holy place. The earthly, he couldn't enter either. Why? Because he was not a Levite or a priest from the line of Aaron. Only Aaron's sons, in this case Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias, that line, they are the ones who could enter into the earthly version of the heavenly holy place. And because God is lawful, he didn't accept, you know, there was a king in Israel called Uzziah. If you read Isaiah chapter 6, it talks about him. And this king wanted to enter into the, uh, the holy place to offer incense because he thought he was a king and he was struck with leprosy. Just like, just like if you remember when uh, the, the, the Bible talks about these two men, uh, I can't get their names now, but they, when they, uh, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant on the cart, and remember that that the the cart the, the 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 cattle just the oxen just moved a little bit and it looked like the uh, the ark of the covenant was going to fall. You remember that? And they tried to steady it and it was struck dead. You remember that? They were not Levites. They were not priests. In the same way, well, let me let me go on for some time. Uh, Get back to, but I, get back, okay, okay, all right. I say, and offered himself, he says, for Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself. The, he entered the, and offered himself to God as a sacrifice for our sins. Next verse, uh, this verse. He doesn't do this every year as a high priest did under the old plan with blood that was not their own. With blood, because they had animal blood, not human blood. Are you here? It says, the harpies did only the old plan with blood that was not their own. Next, if that had been the case, he would have to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead, he sacrificed himself once and for all, summoned up all the other sacrifices. In this sacrifice of himself, the final solution of sin. They tell me my time is up. And when we come back next week, my task now is that now that we have the final solution of sin, for those of us who are believers, now I'm going to talk to you about the joy of Christmas for believers. What I've said so far is about everybody in the world.
that as an answer to the disrobing of the glory of you that occurred in the Garden of Eden. And the answer is Jesus. And Jesus had to come in a lawful way so that in so doing, he could lawfully represent you before God. And in doing that, God had to find somebody to cut a covenant with. So through that person's seed, and seed, and seed, and seed, that this Jesus will be born. And the Bible says, we're not talking about many seeds, but one seed. We'll cover it next week as well. And the seed is Jesus. And Jesus came to give the final solution of sin. And sin had been the barrier, the wall of partition between God and man. And when the sin issue was solved, now we can celebrate that indeed we are no longer slaves to sin, slaves to fear, slaves to sicknesses and diseases. We are free, thank God Almighty. We are free at last in Jesus' name. Shout hallelujah. For more information on Pastor Alexander Arthur or Word of Life Christian Center International, go to WLCCI.org or call 615-876-3086. And please consider joining us in person for services Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Or join us for our virtual services on both Facebook and YouTube. Thank you all for listening to uh, this program this morning and I hope it was a blessing to you. And now uh, I want, for those of you who have never had the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life, uh, that you pray this simple prayer with me. I say that, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Thank you for using your blood to wash away all of my sins of yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. So the Father in heaven can accept me and take me as his child. And I declare, because I believe that you are the Lord and the Savior, that I am now born again, child of God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Christian Center International, we believe in the power of prayer. Send us your prayer requests by email at worship at wlcci.org or by phone at 615-876-3086. You can mail prayer requests to us at WLCCI, P.O. Box 23421, Nashville, Tennessee 37202. And remember, for all you're getting, get understanding, for the word of life changes lives.